This is TDPS. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. Do you have a question or comment about this podcast? Then come share it with us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the dinner party show, no spaces, and we'll do our best to answer it on the show. Just watch out for our aggrieved manservant, Shea Butters. He moderates the page, and he's been known to talk smack about the two of us. Most of what he says about you is true, though. We can discuss this later. That's right, at facebook.com slash the dinner party show. No, I meant in the car. Hi, I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And welcome to TDPS Presents Christopher. <laughs> and Eric. Did I stump you there? <laughs> you was, weren't expecting you know, it to be me? Uh, we Who should did you probably, think it was going to be this week? I was not surprised by you, but I should say that we may have some <laughs> surprises in this episode for the yes. first time because this is our first ever remote recording of TDPS right? Presents Christopher and Eric. So Absolutely. Welcome. It is a whole new world. So if it sounds different, if it sounds like we're inside a tin can or, or, or in, in the back of a moving uh, container truck. <laughs> Brandon is better than that. Brandon will never let it sound like that. No, never. Not at all. Um, but we are, um, we were talking about this before we started recording. Sometimes we have a better show before we start recording. Isn't that well, true, Eric? the thing Shockwind? is we really are always having the show and people just hear the hour that we record, but the show really never stops. Brandon gets to hear more of the show than most people because there's really always a show. And that's why we have to pay him so very, very well. <laughs> because he's so <laughs> sick of listening to this show. <laughs> he's, he could also be recording reams of blackmail material on both of us. Although I think we say plenty of stuff in our actual podcast that's fairly incriminating. Unfortunately, so, we don't have anything that he wants. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We might have some toilet paper. We were saying um, we program these episodes to live forever, but we want to be honest up front and say this is the first one we're recording under the uh, shelter in place order that is currently in effect in the state of California and many other places um, as part of our national and indeed global response to the coronavirus. But we are going to go on to talk about things today that will be just as relevant to you, even if you are discovering this long past our resounding defeat of this terrible virus, (laughs) which we are all hoping for. Yes. At the very least. Yes. Absolutely. I hope that's sooner than later. Absolutely. But we didn't want to stop giving you new episodes of the show for those of you who are staying up to date, which is many of you, according to our lovely Facebook comments that we're getting. And we want to remind everybody that that is the place to communicate with us directly. We have a Facebook page for The Dinner Party Show, which was our flagship podcast. And that is where we um, field your questions and comments and all that good stuff. And if you like what you're hearing, Please do leave us a five-star review on the platform of your choice. That is the lifeblood of any and all podcasts. And I think I've managed to get all of the businessy official stuff out of the way, Eric Quinn, What do you think? Did I miss anything? The only other thing I would say is that the other thing that we are not going to do is discuss this any further because we are not experts and there are plenty of sources for you to hear, I think, pretty much 24 hours a day about the crisis. So... We're not going to do the crisis. We're going to provide a break from that. And, you know, if you're hearing this years after that happened, 
there will be no historical reference that we could provide that would be any more valid than one you could find at a more legitimate source. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) I have said many times, if you are not a medical professional, this is not the time to be giving medical advice. And that's my that's my brief little soapbox moment. If if we could ask that non-medical professionals stop giving medical advice pretty much all together all the time. I would really appreciate that would be great. I would really appreciate that. Now is that gonna apply to me at dinner when you start to complain of an ache in a certain part of your body and I whip out my latest Google search on let's say the right leg, (laughs) which I did the last time my right leg was having vague pain. I'm just going to return you back to the, was it the emergency room technician or doctor who diagnosed that you should stop Googling stuff? <laughs> that was one of my diagnoses after I ended up in the ER over something. Actual was the, it was the ER nurse. diagnosis yeah. that Christopher should stop diagnosing stuff. And stop Googling. He said, no more Google for yeah, you. No, no more, more Googling Google. of symptoms. I'm okay, sorry, so that's good. enough. That's enough medical stuff. We were starting to go down that road. We already ended up in an ER, and we said we weren't going to talk about the coronavirus. But um, <laughs> we do want to talk. You. We do want to talk about something that I, I, I think, while it is definitely of the moment when we're recording this, it's going to last oh, for a very long my time. God. <laughs> It and is it gets a th- phenomenon that is dwarfing the global pandemic. It is unbelievable. I, I don't quite know what to make of it. And I want to say we were we kind of had a leg up on this. We're part of a right? select group that knew about this. We knew the story of Joe Exotic because we listened to a podcast, which I believe came out about a year before the Netflix documentary that's gotten everybody so up in arms, uh, called Over My Dead Body, which is actually a seasonal podcast. They do a different case every season, and their second season was the feud between Joe Exotic, whose real name is Joseph Maldonado Passage, and Carol Baskin, who has become America's number one husband Joseph killer. Scavulo or something, right? Doesn't he have that other... Like, all of those are his married names. His real name is Scarpaccio well, did, or something. I, I I had... I thought it was Joseph Maldonado Passage and then those Travis Maldonado. Husbands. Oh, okay. I thought Travis Maldonado took his name or one of no, his old names. No, he, uh, he took Travis. His, his actual name is something really, like, difficult. Um... Sketch Joe Difficult. Or, yeah, Joe Difficult. That would definitely work. It was just, but yeah, we were, we listened to this podcast like while we were traveling at Christmas because it's so such a seasonal, joyous um, story. So we were kind of ahead of the curve, early converters, and so when we started hearing about this this Netflix show. I thought um, I wasn't going to watch it. I said, I already know this story. I'm not really sure I want to go through it again, but I, but we then could everyone not. on the planet lost their minds about this show. What, why do you think that is like, why aside from the fact that almost everyone is being forced to work from home now and was probably in front of their televisions in greater numbers than they would have been if, if we hadn't had this pandemic, do you think there's something particular about this story that is captivating everybody? Well, I think one of the things, opinion, right? We should have like an alarm that goes off. Eric's mm. big fat opinion alarm. Um, <laughs> the I think one of the things that makes uh, reality shows popular 
and I'm speaking as somebody who hates and never watches most reality programming, um, is that you get to see people who are worse off than you are. Somebody, <laughs> if, if you're in the midst of a tragedy, watching somebody else's really horrible, much worse tragedy can often be diverting. Yes. Right? Like going to see Camille die from consumption in that um, garret, that artist garret in La Boheme took people in Paris away from the difficulties of their day-to-day life however many million years ago that opera first came out. And I, I don't think it's changed. I think it is often the case with dramatic presentation and certainly with with the advent of reality shows where you're seeing not really altered reality, but still, you know, your notion of somebody else's life. If I think my life is bad, but, you know, yeah. here's the footage of the living quarters at the Joe Exotic uh, Zoo. Right. Absolutely. I, I think there's better. a... I think there's another element to the reality thing that touches on what you're talking about, and I don't think it necessarily applies here to Tiger King, but my my father told me when I was very young the reason he thought soap operas were successful is because they took people who appeared to be incredibly privileged and rich, and they gave them the problems of people who were essentially struggling and 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 working class. They gave them the things we typically associate now with reality series like this one but they gave them to the heads of a fashion right. company and that right. that was a comforting fantasy that 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 they weren't breathing rarefied air they were dealing with not knowing who their baby's father was all these sort of things they this collapsing of what seemed to be walls between people but yeah i i think that um the when we listened to the podcast i felt that the producers did not go in on Carol Baskin when it came to the disappearance of her husband no. with the same, let's say, comprehensive tenacity. <laughs> tenacity as the makers of this documentary. And you, I remember, had a very strong reaction to Carol. It In your opinion, from the podcast, Carol off. was the villain of the piece. She pissed Absolutely. you off. Yeah. Karen is the villain. Carol is the villain of this piece. Like it, it really, you know, spoiler alert guys, you know, as with, I guess we should say, as with all the others, if you, if you want to pause this and go watch Tiger King for yourself, we're going to depict it, even though we're not really technically doing true crime TV, it's sort of true crime TV, but it was just like a cultural phenomenon that we just didn't feel like we could skip over. Plus, yeah. Oh my God. It's just so delicious. But yeah, like Carol picked this fight. Mm-hmm. Carol went in, picked this fight, ruined this man's life, his business, took his income, destroyed everything that he had built, and landed him in jail. Like, she is one of the most awful people I've ever seen. I, I understand that she believes what she believes, and I think everybody ought to have that right. I'm not going to go in on whether, you know, the yes or no of animal I certainly think believe in being humane to animals, I don't know that I would call myself quite the animal rights person that some people seem to be. I, I you know, I look at animals' lives in the wild and they don't look so great to me. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm not sure that it is worse to um, get three square meals a day and live in a comfortable place where you're not constantly having to deal with um, death and starvation and everything else that animals have to deal with. I I think it's brutal, whatever happens, but she believes what she believes about 
what uh, what is animal cruelty, and he believed what he believed, and she thought her beliefs were more important than his, and and so she destroyed his life. And I'm a gay man, you know, who has lived most of his life in a world where other people believed that what I believed about my own personal life and who I was allowed to love and and interact with was wrong. And so it was okay for them to come in and destroy my life and take things away from me and make stuff that I wanted to do or have illegal or not included in the law or outside of society. And I'm not a big fan of that. And that's who she is. You know, she Mm -hmm. mobilized thousands of people to destroy that man's life. He was not coming after her. He was living Mm -hmm. his own life. She went after him and she mm-hmm. succeeded. She destroyed him and landed him in prison. And, you know, like, I, I don't think that depicts her as being a particularly terrific person. The podcast wasn't as strong about it, but it was still clear to me what had happened. I, I, not, I am not standing up for Joe's, you know, alleged um, solutions in all of this. No, Joe Exotic no, is plenty yeah. crazy, but she is clearly the villain in this in this story to me what do you think about her well i think a couple things i i i agree with in part with what you're saying i think that she was she was in the absence of getting the law firmly on her side she was actively lobbying on behalf of the big cat protection act which according to the coda at the end of the series has still not passed and so she was making an example out of this guy joe And she was commanding a huge internet mob to go after him again and again. And I have my own feelings about using that as as an activist tactic. I think it is it is for the reasons you described. It's bullying. Bully. And I think it. um, What I was not convinced of is that her alleged big cat rescue was such a superior environment for these cats. I I didn't see a lot of the. It like the the pens were somewhat larger, but I see someone who had made a business for herself, shrouded in activism and activist intention at least, around keeping cats in captivity. I, I was left with the question: Why are the cats not released back into the wild? You know, I, I think the number at the end that was pretty staggering is the number of cats in captivity is so much greater than the number of big cats that are actually still roaming out in the wild. What was Carol doing about any of that? So I had those questions. I think that said, Joe was a classic example of all of the things you can do completely wrong when you are being publicly attacked. He wouldn't (laughs) shut up about it. Yes. He wouldn't he wouldn't stop threatening her verbally. I think that when you are when you're under threat and you threaten somebody else's life or physical well-being, you are um, giving them cause to come after you at a whole different level. And I think he kept doing that over and over again. And I think somebody says later he was using this feud to become even more famous than he already was. So there was some even agenda he on said, his part. Yeah, Even he said it, that they both made each other more famous than they would have been by right. engaging in this feud. She engaged in it, too. She started it as a way of making herself more famous. She picked him as a target and went after him. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that when I I, I did a little, when I was putting the show notes together for our episode of this, I did a little reading and I, because the actual legality of how they got him on the animal rights charges was always a little vague to me. And I think the law is weird, right? And I think whenever there's a vagueness in a law like this or something that appears like a loophole, it opens up these opportunities for people to exploit it from both directions. And so 
he was allegedly it was and I may be wrong about this and people can comment and write in and with the with some links to what's actually correct but you can you can distribute big cats throughout the country as long as your purpose is for exhibition and I think it needs to be a donation in the eyes of the law you cannot sell them for personal or private use so determining whether a transaction was one thing or the other, particularly when you have these zoo owners like, what was his name, Bhagavan Doc Antle, who has his zoo happening, but also has his own personal tigers running around. I think that's, that's, a, that's a weirdness that needs to be cleared up in the eyes of the law. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And Christopher and Eric is a production of the TDPS Network, which mm. you can support by visiting thedinnerpartyshow.com or www.tdps.tv. And by clicking on the gold Amazon box at the bottom right-hand corner of the home page, you'll ensure a portion of your subsequent Amazon purchases supports podcasts like this one. The same is true if you use any of the buy links on our website as well. And thedinnerpartyshow.com and tdps.tv is also where you can find all the episodes of our other podcast, The Dinner Party Show, which is full of celebrity interviews and sketch comedy that's gotten us banned in 20 states. That's not true. A man can dream. All right. Well, let's dream of everyone supporting our website. That way we can avoid putting an ad in this spot for a crowdsourced skin surgery hour. So I think that... Uh, you know, I always I have that kind of mind. I'm always like, how can I an- stop these two people fighting from looking at what's actually on the books? But I I agree with you. I identify with the things that you were saying that the idea of a self-justified mob of people attacking somebody else on the internet because they believe what they're doing is wrong. The thing that can that often bothers me about animal rights conversations is when there's not a lot of actual science involved in it. And when a group of people have decided they know what an animal is thinking or they're interpreting an animal's behavior in terms of human behavior, they're Disney-fying yes. the animals. Because that the has consequences. The of animals yeah, is really, I think, it. a big part of the problem. Yes. But I mean, yes. but my attitude and, and is, is... Go I'm ahead. Sorry, yeah. Go ahead. No, well, it, um, we're not in the same place, so we can't take each other's facial cues. But um, I... Um, I'm of the attitude of why is any but why aren't all these cats in the wild? Why is anybody keeping these cats around? You know, like a Carol, Joe, like like a, the fact of the matter is that Carol tries to present herself as a rescuer of big cats, but she starts off breeding cats. That's how she got into this. So it's not like she had a sudden about. She face. was doing. <laughs> she was doing exactly the same thing as Joe was. Right. And Joe, the series reveals near the end was also very much, much closer to where she was um, when Mm -hmm. he first started. And he, for both of them, it became more and more about the exhibition. The thing that I think is really telling about the, the story and Carol's behavior is that at no point, and it may have been the case, but it certainly wasn't revealed in either the podcast or the television show. At no point did Carol try and raise money to purchase Joe's zoo so that all of those animals could be put in, you know, some, she didn't ever seek to do anything other than destroy Joe. She never sought. She was never actively trying to do something to rescue those animals. 
It was only mm-hmm. about destroying Z- Joe. Even after Joe was destroyed, those animals are just going to go to a different zoo. Like she is not, she's still, even then not making any effort to help the animals. She's, she's never helping the animals. She's only about destroying somebody else who is basically think, doing the same thing as her. I think you're right. And I think we are entering the period though, as of this recording where all the people that were interviewed are going to start giving their own interviews now. Cause the put the pushback I'm putting in air quotes is already starting to happen. But I, I will say this. I just want to say this about Carol and Howard Baskin before I forget. So Carol is Carol is interviewed so extensively throughout this that particularly when it comes to the case of her missing husband, who every many people believe she actually murdered, I, it's hard for me, me to believe she did she didn't get an opportunity to refute most of the things she said because it's not like it's a three minute interview and then they just talk to her villain. She's extensively in every episode. So anyway. If she's now claiming she was misquoted, I find that hard to believe. But every time she's interviewed with her husband, Howard, I don't know if you noticed this, There's a there, there are frequent clips of them sitting together on the deck of their house in Florida. And every time Howard is speaking, Carol is completely turned in her chair, watching Howard's every move. And you can just see, it's like, if you go one word off script, you are not getting sex for a year, Howard Baskin. You can just see she's like monitoring him. He is so completely smitten with her. She is very controlling. Yeah, she is very much in charge. She affects that sweetness, but she is very much a woman in charge in that environment. I thought the most disturbing uh, picture of the two of them was... Um, when he is sentenced to 22 years toasting with champagne and eating shrimp and celebrating his demise. Like, these are the people who are the compassionate ones. These are the people who are about rescue and comfort and not... You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. I I realized that what they believed was that he'd done something terrible, but to celebrate somebody's demise in that way, that's gross. What if Nancy yeah. Pelosi had done that at the moment of the voting to impeach the president? What if she'd come out with a bottle of champagne and some shrimp to uh, celebrate the president being impeached? How would that have played? You know what I mean? Yeah. I know she's an elected official, but I just thought that was so disturbing. Well, it was another example of this not being about the cause. And this no. being about these personalities and these people. I mean, that's really the podcast over my dead body. That's what it's about every season. It's about a feud and it's about a feud that escalates into murder. So but let's talk about this, quote unquote, murder for hire plot that I was will tell you this. so slapdash and <laughs> didn't come anywhere close to being executed, by the way. The difference for me between the podcast, the biggest difference for me between the podcast and the television show is that right. after the podcast, I was totally convinced he had participated in the murder for hire plot. After the television show, I think he was framed. I think yeah. Joe, I think Jeff, a business partner of his, and we really probably should take a moment to kind of detail the plot line of right. the story because we're just all over the place. But I think his business partner, Jeff, actually framed him for that um, murder for hire plot so he could take the zoo away from him. Because that's There's what really, happened. 
they're really um there are two sort of major parts to the saga of Joe and the zoo. And in the first part, which is the first few episodes of the series, he is working with a former TV newsman named Rick Kirkham, who has one of the most distinctive voices you've probably ever heard in your I life. Mean. Sound, I'm, it's almost like this. He talks like Rick Kirkman. Um he is going to make a reality show about Joe and the zoo, and he has moved on to the property and built a, a video editing studio. And as compensation for giving him all this access and giving him all these rights, um, Rick agrees to run a live television show that they stream over the internet, Joe Exotic TV or whatever it's called. And so the, the feud with Carol, which he constantly promotes and gins up on Joe Exotic TV, starts to cost him so much in legal fees that the zoo is really beginning to hurt. And um, I, I, I'm forgetting now what was really the flashpoint between him and Rick Kirkham, but, but there comes a moment where they're fighting and they're quarreling and the financial stress is such that Rick finds cause to tell Joe, I basically own you. Like you signed over the rights to all of my footage of you, which I think is some of which is in this series that we've been watching. Yeah. Um, that Joe is furious, kicks him out of the zoo, kicks him off the property. There's a mysterious fire then at the studio on the zoo, which destroys. The, property, the fire actually happened before they kicked him off the property. Yeah. Okay. That was it. Right. The fire happens before they kick him off the property, but it destroys almost. It destroys all this effort and work that Rick Kirkham put into this man and into this zoo. And destroys a lot of evidence. Which is why they think it's possible Joe started the fire. Is that, did I get that? Is that right? Okay. So this situation leaves Joe in tatters and he's still struggling financially. So he brings in this guy, Jeff Lowe, who is supposed to be loaded to the gills, has got this big house where he's, wines and dines joe and they're going to be big business partners and so that's i just wanted to sort of get us through it to the arrival of jeff Lowe because he sort of comes late in the story but he's incredibly pivotal to the murder for hire plot that's really the source of what so many people are talking about about the series the entire murder for hire plot consists of the business partner somebody who works for the business partner, longtime associate, and somebody else who's colluding with the business partner and also um, uh, working for the federal investigation of Joe. Mm-hmm. Like, n- all of the players in the, in the Murder for Hire plot are part of the same cabal, which is the right. thing that I hadn't realized in listening to the podcast. So it's like, it seemed to me that it was the first time I really considered the possibility that he really was framed. Like, because, it, it, the, because yeah. as you say, the murder for hire plot, as it's depicted is so completely ridiculous that it's, it's in, kind it's of in, hard to believe. Uh, yeah. So like basically Jeff Lowe has essentially bought the zoo, but they've allowed Joe to stay on as kind of the figurehead and the personality, but he's, they want him out and everybody that Jeff Lowe brings in is is kind of ha- is united by this same motive and the same agenda as you just said, and so they know Joe has this rage-filled feud with this woman Carol Baskin, and that he quote unquote wants her dead. So they like encourage him to keep talking about this, and they're like, "Yeah, well, how would you do?" Blah blah blah. And it starts to sound from the various accounts that it was almost a form of entrapment. 
you know? And again, for me, it gets back to that, like, shut up, Joe. <laughs> you know, like, just shut up and stop wearing all this on your sleeve. Well, it, because it in was, a way... It, it was entirely a form of entrapment. The entire plot is those people. Yeah. Like, they're the source of the entire plot. Yeah. Because um, the it, it, Jeff Lowe brings in a gentleman named James Gerritsen, who who becomes I, I probably the primary interviewee in the last few episodes, and he agrees to work for the feds because he's claiming he's hearing all of this stuff about murder. So he's basically become a mole and a plant on the property of the zoo. Um, he eventually turns against Jeff, and it's just a complete mess. But the thing that's insane is that the guy they send allegedly to kill Carol Baskin is this guy, Alan Glover, who in his interviews, he's barely coherent. Uh, it, there's some evidence of like major substance abuse, as there is with a lot of the people they talk to. And his story is that he went down to Florida and his plan was to shoot Carol as she was biking along this path on her Big Cat Rescue property which they'd seen her do on her social media. But he uh, he says, I think the direct quote, which is like, what the heck is, apparently I got distracted, he says. No, apparently, apparently I chickened out. I chickened out. Like, apparently, he's saying apparently like it's something somebody else told him to say, but he's saying it long after to the interviewers of this series. It's just, it was a mind twist. I'm getting all yes, knotted no, up in it, trying the, to remember but, it, but... But that's the point. The proof that the, there was murder for hire is that guy saying that Joe paid him $3,000 to do it. It's not a recording of Joe saying, I'll pay you $3,000 to do it. Right. It's and a recording all- of him saying, he paid me $3,000 to do it, and he works for the other guy. I just, it really, like... I don't know that it clears Joe, but it really, in my mind, was the first time I was like, oh, I'm not convinced that Joe wasn't framed for this. Because in all the years he'd been threatening to kill that lady or wishing that she was dead, which I really, I want, I think this is an object lesson for us all. (laughs) Like, don't do that. Because that really, if anything happens to that person, you're going to be the first guy they look at. So you should really avoid that as a strategy object lesson. Um, and by the way, that also includes setting up a mannequin that looks like her and blowing its head off with a shotgun, yeah. which Joe also did live on TV. I was like, stop doing that, Joe. <laughs> or bringing a sex doll on your TV show and shooting right. it in the, the head. Or shoving that, that's what I meant. in its yeah. mouth or while pretending yeah. that it's her or everything else. All of those things, not really a good, yeah, not really a good strategy. So it, he was not a difficult person to set up for this, but the setup is so sketchy and as they pointed out um i think it was joe but it was or joe's defense was that the, the part of the reason that the the um when they prosecuted them that they included all of the animal rights violations that you were talking about mm-hmm. the sort of nebulous hard to nail down laws um was because the case for the other thing was so weak if he yeah. couldn't be portrayed as this you know puppy kicking monster um, which he kind of was. Um, mm-hmm. He wouldn't have gotten. He wouldn't have gone down for the murder for hire plot because, quite honestly, the evidence is pretty sketchy. It's sort of like it's like that. Um, what was it? Lacey Peterson. You remember we watched that special years mm-hmm. ago, and I still think Scott killed her. But mm-hmm. after I saw the special, I also thought they didn't prove it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, my God.
I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And Eric and I aren't just podcasters. And bitches. That's right. We're also authors. And you can buy all of our books at www.thedinnerpartyshow.com or tdps.tv and wherever ebooks are sold. At thedinnerpartyshow.com or tdps.tv, you can check out my Right Murder mystery series. Or sample my Burning Girl thrillers. The best part is, the more you buy our books, the less likely we'll end up filling the spot with an annoying ad for a napkin that counts your calories. The TDPS Network, alienating potential advertisers one promo at a time. I think it's great that you you brought up the Lacey Peterson case because I think I feel the same way you do, and I like it when we agree. <laughs> but I also it, that is such a I said that on social media once and got resoundingly attacked. And the substance of the attacks that came at me were basically an individual saying, "No, if we basically just think they're guilty, we should be able to convict them." And I'm like, "That's not how the criminal justice system works." I hope and you, not. You will believe that up until they come for you. That's right. the point of having a system is that, you know, what I heard a lot of in the in the more recent coverage of it was convicting someone for having ordered porn on his television and the jury's laughing about it later as if none of them have ever watched porn. The hypocrisy around porn in certain segments of this country always pisses me off. But um, and I, that's not <laughs> a basis. He'll be cross-stitching that on a pillow later. <laughs> It'll be on our first um, Christopher and Eric merchandise. The hypocrisy the about line. porn in this country yes. needs to stop. Or a hand towel. Um, so I, that that's not. <laughs> wow. uh, new TDPS hand towels. It's really yes. when we record in our pajamas, there's all bets are off. Like we're, right? we're both at home. Sitting um, in anyways. front of the computers, it's really hard not to remember the porn. Yeah. So, and it is, and there is an there's an attitude among let's call them the Nancy Graces of the world that Ugh, you know boy. our gut instincts around guilt and innocence are all we need to go on. And I, and I think not to fault Nancy completely, I think we often ask that of our prosecutors that we often ask that our prosecutors, particularly when it's a public and high profile case, possess an almost supernatural level of confidence. And I think we also often hear the stories about the cases that we think should get tried and the prosecutor, having known what they're going to be put through, says, no, I don't, the evidence isn't there. But anyway, that's sort of getting off on a side note. But I, I think, you know, uh, there is... The thing that the special did not talk about to the extent that I wanted them to, and I can't remember if the podcast did or not, was the actual underlying laws. We saw a few glimpses of Carol dressing up and going to Capitol buildings to talk to politicians. We also saw her indicting the fact that um, Joe and zookeepers like him go in there and allow cub, uh, cub petting by the okay. politicians. Okay, time out. Yeah. <laughs> Big time out. I'm going to say, okay, if you haven't watched The Tiger King or um, listened to the podcast, I think we should do a quick recap of the show. All right. So I'm going to start and you pick, you jump in where you think that it's, it's helpful. Okay. To begin with, Joe Exotic is um, a gay kid. I guess he's from Oklahoma. I don't know. Um, he has a, his own troubled childhood. His parents are very religious when he uh, finally decides that he's gay he tells his um 
his uh, parents and his father has him shake his hand in front of everybody and agree not to attend his funeral because he's so disgusted to have a gay son. So he's a really, he's a troubled person who then Mm -hmm. tries to kill himself by driving his car off a bridge, breaks his back, and while he is recovering, he encounters um, big cats. Mm-hmm. And it becomes this, it's a part of his recovery and it becomes this important thing to him. And he pursues it as a career along with um, being a country Western singer always surprised me. He talked like Gomer Pyle. It's and not him. Like, That's not sang, him singing. It's not him singing. Oh, okay. That's, well, that I am would, jumping in on that one. Yeah. That would explain <laughs> The documentary it. is under fire for not making it clear because apparently he's singing at some moments, but like most of that, he's lip syncing to a, a pretty okay. accomplished well, that singer. Explains, that explains that, uh, my astonishment at that. Um, and as part of that, he d- opens this huge um, zoo for big cats, but it is enormously expensive to keep and maintain big cats. So he begins doing this thing where he takes, he goes on tour and he takes young um, tigers and lions and whatever, like under six months out mm-hmm. to malls and places so that people can pet them and encounter them and be in and interact with them because they are young enough that they can't really hurt you. Probably some, but not more than like a, a, a puppy or something could, you know, they're, they're much, they're much less dangerous um, at that point in, uh, in their career. And this was perceived as being abusive of the animals. To the cubs, yeah. To the cubs. The other thing that he did was breed the cubs and provide them to other people, probably for compensation. All of it in service to raise money for um, paying for this encampment where he's keeping all of these big cats. It's an enormous amount of money that he needs to do it. And so that's that's his game, and that's his gig. And... A lot of people are doing it. Like, it is mm-hmm. not like he's... It's not a huge number in in the real world, but in terms of that little world, that's pretty standard operating procedure, and it's not that unusual. But because he's really visible about it and really, um, you know, really noteworthy and, and making a lot of money about it, Carol Baskins picks him as a target for as an animal cruelty target and begins to promote um, going after him. Now, Carol was an abused woman who met, as when she was very young, a very wealthy man um, on the street. Um, she gets into the car with him when he offers her a gun and says she can hold it on him to um, keep herself safe, but he wants to talk to her. So she gets in the car and hauls the gun on him. So that's how that relationship started. And uh, the man is also married with children. Right. Married to another woman with children, yes. And very, very successful and a big fan of big cats. And he, too, is breeding and selling and doing the same kind of commerce with cats. Carol even made a video about how to domesticate big, giant cats to use them to keep them as pets. So she is very much a part of the same world as Joe. But then after time, things went bad with the relationship. And one day Carol's very rich husband by that point, because he uh, deserted, deserted, abandoned, divorced the, uh, the other wife um, mm-hmm. 
things go bad between Carol and the new rich husband, and he's beginning to seek a divorce. He is filed for a restraining order against him because she's threatened to kill him. And then, mysteriously, one day, apropos of nothing, and with no evidence ever to this day to answer where the man went, he just disappears... She breaks into his office, steals all of his wills, forges new ones, um, mm-hmm. gives herself all of his money, uh, disinherits his children and like kind of holds them prisoner and uses the money to pursue a life that is con- uh, that matches up with her current belief that maybe what they're doing with the big cats is wrong and they should be rescuing them. So she reframes herself, recasts herself as... The Big Cat Rescue Lady starts Big Cat Rescue and goes after Joe. So that's where the story kind of begins. And then Joe has a very flamboyant personality. As you pointed out, he goes on his own internet TV show and threatens her and shoots dummies with her name on them and blows them up Mm -hmm. and whatever. And she continues to attack him and to mobilize um, uh, people against him. So he uses the name Big Cat Rescue that she's that is her trademark um, to start a new company, big cat rescue uh, entertainment. Eric, let and me jump in and make Susan. Yes. Let go. me make jump in. And there's one point too, because there's something else she's doing. She's using the millions and millions she inherited from her husband to sue him into the ground. So it's not just a matter of sending her social media people. She's drowning him in lawsuits and she continues to do so for years and years and years. I just wanted to throw lawsuits- that in because, the lawsuit started when he began infringing on her, um, on her trademark. She wasn't. She wasn't trying to sue him before over the cub petting, but or what was she it? was doing. What she did before, because you can't sue over cub petting. Um, right. What she was doing. What she was doing before was she was using the internet bullying to go mm-hmm. after his engagement. So he would announce that he would be at Westfield Mall and with a cub petting thing, and then she right. would have all of her. Um, online followers contact them all and say, don't do this. Don't book him. This is cruel to animals. This is cruelty to animals. We will protest your mall. We'll picket your mall. We'll come after you. So she began taking his livelihood. So in response to that, he Mm -hmm. took her logo and, or her trademark and infringed on it by starting big cat rescue entertainment. So that Mm -hmm. it seemed like she was booking the mall pet, the, the, the petting and um, the petting engagements at the malls and I guess carnival. She would actually get calls from people saying, we didn't know you were in this side of the business. And he's pretty unrepentant about what he's doing. He's pretty public about it. He says, this is, you know, he's doing it to get back at her. Okay. So that's when the lawsuits started. That's when the lawsuits really started between the two of them. And the thing we have to say, and the thing we have to say, which gets back to my larger point of the cub petting is not, illegal as you pointed out so she's trying to go after someone for doing something that she wants to be illegal but it's not illegal she can't apparently get the laws changed to ban it or she would have to go on a state-by-state basis she can't get a federal law so she decides to make an example out of him and she is backed by an enormous amount of money for all of her time and effort from a husband that she may well have murdered. So if she this did is the same. Where else did he go? She murdered that man. She buried him on that giant property. She murdered him. Or her her I, father did, who hated his guts. And you know, there, but, there's... But she there's was a even, part of his death. 
there's weirdness around his disappearance. He tells people he's going to Costa Rica. He, he went to Costa Rica a lot, right? And he says he's yeah. going to pick up some cars, which apparently maybe he was in the buying and selling of cars in a way that was semi-shady. But his van is found at a small private airport where I think he did have a little Cessna. But there's absolutely no record of a flight taking off from that airport. No. And the plane that he had or that he was certified to fly would only have been able to make it to Costa Rica with f- something like four or five refueling stops. So it would have shown up somewhere. They would have seen yeah, he it in one of those co- other airports. He traveled yeah. commercial to, to uh, Costa Rica. It wasn't like yeah. it didn't. Nobody thinks that he went to Costa Rica. He literally just vanished. And to this day, there has never been any proof of what happened to him. And really the only suspect is her. Everyone believes she killed that man. Like there really is no other evidence of anything else happening. And she, because in her infinite, you know, has done nothing to pursue trying to find out because she doesn't care because she knows what happened to him. And she got all the money, but also she um, actively threatened the, uh, his ex-wife and daughters when they started to speak out publicly more recently about their suspicions. And I'm not sure I'm 100% correct about this, but I don't know if they were interviewed in the podcast that we listened to. They and were not. Because I don't think they're so. Pre- uh, they're presented in this series as speaking out for the first time, and they didn't speak out before because they were afraid of Carol. And yes. they were afraid of repercussions. Because, again, Carol has all of this moral conviction and this enormous amount of money to spend doing whatever she wants. You know, like... So she was a terrifying adversary for them, but I think you know when the and camera she's crew a terrifying up, adversary for Joe, and he's the only one who stood up to her. Like yeah. I don't agree with the way that he chose to stand up to her, but there's a there's an aspect of homophobia to all of it to go after you think him. So? I that's yeah. that was sort of my feeling. She didn't go after the other ones. Mm-hmm. You know, she went after him like she's certainly yeah. not a fan of the other ones, but there are other people in the field. But he was the most vulnerable. He was the and one he, that she could that she could tear press. down the easiest. He also seemed the most emotionally unstable. And it was Absolutely. almost like she was deliberately provoking him because, yeah, the other one that gets interviewed is Bhagavan Doc Antle. And, and he's he as cool is, as a cucumber. Yeah, and he's sort of a slick media personality. He's been on, they show him on late night shows. He used to bring animals on. And so it's, I don't know if she went after him ever, but he would be a more formidable opponent if she did. So I, well, it supports what you're saying. He wouldn't do the thing that Joe did. He wouldn't right. fight back. He, as yeah. he said, like, and you know, if Joe had just said, I'm sorry and dropped the, you know, taken down the, um, the, 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 the infringement, right, changed the name of his company or whatever, Joe could have spared himself all of this. Joe brought on his own destruction and demise yes, with every absolutely. choice that he ever made. If he had ever shut up, he probably wouldn't be in jail, you know, yeah. because they wouldn't have been able to make the case that they did. Like, as I said to you when we were talking about this on the, the phone the other day, if you want to kill somebody, don't tell anybody, just kill them. Yeah. <laughs> We are not recommending that as actual advice here that. at TDPS. I don't want to kill anybody. We don't think that's yeah. a good idea. We don't want to we kill anybody. Think... But, but if you're going to do it as a mystery writer, as a as a constant watcher of, of murder for, you know, all of these true crime TV shows, um, if you're going to, if you want to kill somebody, don't tell everybody that you're going to do it. That's just d- stupid. 
And doesn't Carol appropriate that idea at some point? And she says, usually I'm not afraid of the loud ones. I'm afraid of the quiet ones, which is like, yeah, yeah but you were pressing Absolutely. and pressing and pressing on the loud one to get him to be louder. And as we said earlier, the plot that they eventually allegedly hatch against her is so inept and bumbling. But anyway, we don't support murder here at the uh, at the dinner party show. Let's talk about the other sexual <laughs> I think sexuality. Let's talk about the other sexuality issue here, because a lot of people are talking about this. It's inspired a dozen memes, which is Joe's personal life and the fact that at one point he is married, not legally, because it's not legal to marry two people at the same time, but he's in a three-way marriage of his own design to two men who are not gay or don't identify as even bisexual, but... If they did have sex with Joe and enjoyed it, I would argue that perhaps they are bisexual. Yeah. That said. It begins to speak to the fluidity notion of sexuality. Yeah. Um, But yeah, they were married. They they were in a relationship with Joe and they were in it for the pod and the drugs and the cars and the guns and all the stuff that that bought And that's what I wanted to ask you about it. Were you sold on that idea? Because that's that's the meme is like all it takes is meth and tigers to get a straight guy to marry you if you're gay. The notion of the tigers as these instruments of of seduction even his yes. partner jeff was like i'm like why if, if you brought a baby tiger in here the last thing that's gonna get you is laid you know what i mean like i totally I, agree that is not that is not the way to go with me i don't even like um service animals you know emotional yeah. support animals i'm not even in favor of those but i'm sure as hell not in favor of like um Somebody showing up with a baby tiger, for God's sake. But apparently they are these, you know, chick magnets because that's what the, the business partner basically wanted to do with them. That's basically it. And and we talked about Jeff Lowe earlier, but he's we we think he's the architect of the murder for hire plot and he used it to get Joe. But they show him he would put little cut tiger cubs in suitcases and take them to Las Vegas and use them to get chicks, basically. And it's for like, he and his uh, yeah. bisexual girlfriend, who they would yeah. do whatever. But she didn't go after him either. They went after the guy. And just as a caveat, I don't think that the business partner actually caused there to be a murder for hire plot. I think he caused there to be evidence that there had been one to frame Joe. I don't think he wanted to kill. I don't think he could care Baskin about either. Carol Baskins. Like he's about yeah. conning people out of their money. He's conned. He cons everybody he comes in touch with in the show. But, yeah. um, but yeah, like there's that, that, that whole, I think one of the things that was the most, I don't know, heartbreaking about the, the show was that everybody abandoned Joe. Like, Mm -hmm. none of those people showed up for him when the time came. All of those Mm -hmm. people he rescued, because his place was basically run by a lot of rescued people. Right. Um, And they didn't show up for him. Many testified against him. They, um, They really, like, and the guys that he was married to, with the exception of the last one. um, Dylan, yes. Yeah. Really Dylan sort of, Pass. well, one of them was, Passage. yeah, one of them, yeah, pa- Dylan Passage is still apparently, you know, helping him, but... Joe's choice to go after the other people um, in the business and the other people around him, I think, is because they didn't. Nobody showed up for him mm-hmm. when the chips were down, and that 
to me, that was, you know, a part and parcel that the husband of his for like 10, 15 years denying that he was ever even gay. I always had girlfriends in high school. I was like, yeah, because that proves it. You had a girlfriend yeah. in high school, didn't you, Christopher? I had many um, girlfriends in high yeah, school. God yeah, bless I, him. Like, yeah. I, I don't see that, you know, and you could have another girlfriend. I, I don't see sexuality as that kind of provable thing. Um, he was but yeah, the idea of just completely washing his hands of uh, of Joe in the in the face of all of this scandal, you know, it's one thing if they found Joe with the smoking gun in his hand, and you you say, well, he just went too far for me. I got to cut, but but yeah, it was a it was a nest of just total crazy. Yeah. even before yeah. all of this, it was just crazy. And and I'll, I will say, John Ranke, who is um, who worked at the zoo forever, who lost both of his legs, is maybe the most kind of seems to stick in there the longer at least say the most sympathetic things about joe he actually went um, to the courthouse and was there to support him and i think that he's the only one of that lot was certainly the way it was depicted and i think it it speaks to um joe's um current choice joe is now you know partnering with PETA to go after everybody yeah because yeah, he knows, as he says, he knows where all the bodies are buried. And he said, okay, if I'm going down for this, I'm taking everybody who didn't speak up for me with me. Right. But, you know, at the end, it's sort of like Joe is a case study in how not to do everything. Like, <laughs> you say Joe, oh how exa- Joe Exotic, how not to do how everything. Absolutely not to do everything. Like, he was a very unstable and emotional man who wanted to be really famous and did everything he could be. And he was, he is really famous, but like, this is what famous can look like. So heads up, you want to be judicious about how you get famous because some ways of getting famous are not as quite as comfortable as uh, some involve federal prison for 22 years. Um, as in this case, like, as I said to you the other night, um, Oscar Wilde brought the lawsuit that destroyed his life. Right. Tell, tell, like, tell our listeners what you mean by that. <laughs> Oscar Wilde um, demanded that uh, his love... Oscar Wilde was accused of being in a relationship with the man he was in a relationship with by the father of the man he was in a relationship with. And so he sued the father for, I don't know, slander? Mm-hmm. I guess defamation. I think so, yeah. I'm not sure exactly what the charges were, and of course, the proof of slander, a proof, you know, the best defense against slander is the truth, and it was the truth. So all he had to do was prove it was the truth, and since it was the truth, it was not as hard as it might seem, and that was the end of uh, Oscar Wilde's life. And it's a shame because he was a brilliant, wonderful, creative, talented man, and it certainly points out the absurdity of being in love with somebody being a crime, that's just Mm -hmm. stupid. But we've only in this country been, we're about five years in to, you know, sort of kind of acknowledging that that's stupid. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, But, but it was the case at the time that he brought the, the slander suit. And so all he had to do was not say anything, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, because it really was the truth. Why bring the lawsuit? You know, I know to defend Bozy's honor, to defend the, the boyfriend's honor, but it's another case. Man follows Dick off cliff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There, there was just, it, it was such a morality tale about 
ego trumping everything else. I, I don't know if that's the, the most articulate way to put it. And I, that I'm always focused on the social media of everything, probably because I just spend so much time on social media myself. But I, they didn't Maybe. really go into that as much. Like the the TV show he was streaming live was a form of social media, right? They said only 80 people would watch at a, at a stretch, but. They would totally. comment and they were reacting and he was performing for the crowd. It was almost like Donald Trump's rallies. You know, it was just like he ran for governor of Oklahoma yeah. in the middle of this. Yeah. Like in the midst of all of this lawsuit and whatever, he ran for governor of Oklahoma and came in, you know, respectable third, like 20 percent of the vote or something. So it was like, all right, you know, but it was all about finding ways to be on stage. Yeah, absolutely. To be constantly the center of attention, which made him an even bigger target for somebody much easier like target. Carol Baskin, like Carol Baskin. Well, and he broke the rule of, you know, if you're going to kill somebody, don't tell anyone. Yeah, don't and don't don't scream it live on on television. I, I was really glad just as a person on a personal level. I was glad that the um, that there weren't a lot of snakes. <laughs> there, there are a lot in the beginning. There are visits to reptile places. And I've talked to other people. Some- they're like. And they're you pretty know. alarming. There's some alarming yeah. moments, but they're very brief, and it's really about tigers and whatever. They were plenty frightening. Um, yeah. the, I'll tell you, the part that was the most disturbing for me was the accidental suicide of um, the Maldonado, of Travis Maldonado, his husband, Travis Maldonado, who was trying to prove a gun was safe. Right. And blew and his he own blows brains his out. Off. And that's that's one of the more disturbing sequences because they've got the person narrating that incident filmed. is Joshua Dial, who was um, a former Walmart manager who became Joe's campaign manager and describes it in his interview as, quote, the worst experience of his life. But the security camera footage from inside the zoo's office is on Joshua while he's having this conversation with Travis about how this gun is safe and it's fine and whatever. And Travis puts the gun to his head and fires and it's loaded. It's not safe. He kills himself. And we just see Joshua's reaction to it. His sort of just the stunned. most. That's the most disturbing thing in the whole. Yeah. Paralyzed. Um, sorry. That, that's even more disturbing than that moment when the bully celebrates her victory with champagne and shrimp cocktail. Um, yeah. You know, I'm going to start a, a, a shrimp cocktail uh, abuse. <laughs> <laughs> that one the got shrimp, you. The shrimp rescue, uh, the big shrimp rescue. Um, it, it just, yeah. The, I, to me, the show is about the victory of a bully. Bully wins. Mm. Mm-hmm. To me, that's that's the story. And that was it was the story with the podcast um, to some degree. But wow, was it the story with this? Because I, it was the first time I didn't, I I didn't believe necessarily that Joe was actually part of a murder for hire plot. The first on the podcast, it seemed pretty clear that he had been. Okay. So as we said earlier, this was not technically a true crime TV club, but we just no, couldn't although, not talk yeah. about this. Yeah. We couldn't Ever, since not everyone else on the entire planet is talking about, well, this and that other thing. Well, I'm very excited about next week's episode, which I want to talk about here just for a little bit so I can get our listeners prepared uh, we're bringing back Christopher and Eric's True Crime TV Club, which we do every other week. Yes. Uh, and when we were first explaining the concept to people that we were going to sort of break down and serve up one-hour true crime documentaries, the show that you always used, Eric, as an example was we were going to do Wives with Knives. Well, we have yet to do Wives with Knives, and we're doing it for the first time 
next week. <laughs> so if you want to prepare yourself by watching in advance, which is absolutely not a requirement, you can locate uh, Season 3, Episode 7 of Wives with Knives, which is available to stream on Amazon and possibly on some other platforms as well. We know a lot of you are all over the world and you access your content in different ways. But the episode title of Season 3, Episode 7 is Mama's Little Helper. And again, you can watch in advance if you want, but the goal of Christopher and Eric's True Crime TV Club is that we break down and serve up the episode for you so you can walk away as if you've watched it when really you've just listened to us bitch about it. And the other thing that's coming up, not it's still we're a couple of weeks out yet, but um, we're starting a thing called Ask Eric. Um, oh, yes. Where you can where you can write to Eric at the dinner party show dot com um, and ask your questions. And uh, when we do that premiere episode in a couple of weeks, you know, I'll speak to you, uh, those who've written in. And if nobody writes in, well, we'll let you know that that didn't pan out and we won't. <laughs> when that'll ask be the Eric. end of Ask Eric. It'll be never <laughs> mind, Eric. <laughs> Never mind, Derek. And I won't hurt my feelings. <laughs> Eric you has, do whatever has you want to do. very thick skin. Very thick skin. Um, so, And it was uh, Christopher's idea. <laughs> yeah, it was. It's my idea. I want so, people to have the benefit so of Eric's even, advice that I get on a daily basis. So, Whether he likes it or not. Yeah. You have a choice about it. Absolutely. Well, Eric, any final thoughts? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just teasing you. I didn't really ask. It wasn't really. I know you hate it when I say that. I'm never going to do really it again. I really do. Nothing makes me angrier than that. <laughs> just hate that. Well, Eric, would you like to be put on the spot? Do you enjoy no, the spot? thank you. I do enjoy you wanna... being, you know, out there and talking to people. But yeah, I don't want to be uh, put in a position of not having any final thoughts. That's just... Okay. Well, I won't put you in a position of having any final thoughts. Maybe but I, I will should just say, learn the um the the lyrics to that Pokemon theme song, and I can that can always be my standard final thoughts. What what is the Pokemon theme song? It's the thing that uh, what was his name? He was running for president a couple of years ago. Oh, Herman Cain. Herman Cain. He did the quote from um the theme song from the Pokemon movie. Um, as his final thoughts at, I don't know, one of the Republican presidential debates, because, you know, why not? Why not? Why not? Yeah. This was before Donald Trump. He was the oddball before Donald Trump. We didn't, you know. Yeah, like he it, seemed the, like the, as bad as it could get until yeah. later. <laughs> until later. Oh, my God. So I, I just want to warn you, though, now that we've broken the seal on talking about long Netflix series is, um, people are going to want us to go all in on on others. I'll just I, I won't say them by name because I don't want to put you on the spot unless I'm putting you on the spot. But there are other Netflix multi episode true crime things out there that we get messages and inquiries about whether or not we're going to talk about them. And now that we've done Tiger King, those might intensify or everyone has forgotten and moved on and has way more important things to worry about. So let's just be clear We'll talk about that later. And B, asking me about things on the show is putting me on the spot. All, well, I had, to, I had to put you on the spot somehow. If I couldn't do it the other way, I had to put you on the spot this way. Well, my favorite part is that it somehow implies that I'm preventing us from talking about those shows. So that's yes. also not true. You just yeah, haven't I'm, mentioned it to me yet. And we'll I'm talk usually about the... F- 
I'm the format stickler. I'm like, no, we talk about things that are an hour long. It's more manageable. We're not going to talk about a whole series. We have to watch. But Tiger King just, just obliterated say, all my I pitched, boundaries. I pitched you a true crime TV club. So yes, you did that. That's so like I'm I'm all in for that. Well, so we'll talk about those things too. Like I'm game. Sure, they're just longer yeah. formats. Yeah, they are. They are just all right. Well, formats. we've gone a little long today, but you know we have oh. a lot to say. And Tiger King is. Um, you know, provocative. Grr. Yes. Grr. Lots to say. Lots to say. All right. So- well, that's it for today's episode. And again, next we will on our next episode we'll be talking about wives with knives, season three, episode seven, Mama's Little Princess. Until then, I'm Christopher Rice, and I'm Mama's Little Princess, Eric Shaw Quinn. <laughs> and you've been listening to TDPS presents Christopher. And Eric, thanks. This is TDPS.